I'm Kurt Bloom, a podcaster and property investor, and this is the Say Yes podcast, where I will talk with people who said yes to a change, to a new beginning. Are you one of them? Welcome to my sixth episode of Say Yes with Kurt. My guest went through many special experiences, 10 years in Southeast Asia and 10 years in the Middle East. He had to work and battle through the second Bali bomb, the second Gulf War in Iraq while working in Jordan. And he was in Sharm el-Sheikh during the Egyptian revolution. His last role in Dakar, Senegal, brought his experience to uh, a quick end uh, because of COVID. And even though my guest is a passionate hotel director, I met him many times and always with a optimistic and a positive approach. Welcome, Maurice de Roig. How are you and where do you spend your time right now? Hi, Kurt. Good to see you. Well, uh, such a nice introduction. We don't really have to do the interview anymore. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I'm currently in, uh, in Portugal, in Estoril, uh, Cascais area. Okay, yeah. And uh, what yeah, are you doing? That, I, I, I thought, uh, I saw that you, on LinkedIn, I think you started a new business. Um, that's a great news. Well, yes. Can you tell us how is it going <laughs> And what Actually, do you sell um, or what are your services you offer? I'm in the, in the business of to mind my own business. To, uh, to be frank, um, I took time out for myself. Uh, we left um, Senegal uh, due to the COVID. So I came, came back home in, in Portugal. So I'm currently on the lookout for an, uh, for an international position worldwide. And uh, I took time to organize my personal library. I have about... Um, 10,000 books and articles, and that really needed to be a little bit of, of organization. Um, I'm passionate about books, especially uh, the areas where we used to travel, um, where we worked. I worked in around um, 13 countries around the world in 27 locations. And to give you a small anecdote, uh, when we were in Indonesia, Malaysia, there were a lot of um, information that was not ready available as nowadays in social media and apps and so forth. So I went to this uh, bookshop in um, Singapore off Scotts Road. It's a very, very small bookshop in the Far East Plaza. And the owner, he looks like Mr. Bean. He's like really his <laughs> twin brother. And uh, he recommended, uh, he sold me the book of the Malay Dilemma from Dr. Mahadir. Mm. Uh, and that was, uh, more or less, the book was published in 77, um, and that was 11 years before he became Prime Minister of Malaysia. It was a very critical and controversial book because he was actually criticizing, you know, the, 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 the Malay and the Malaysians. And um, that was a nice, nice experience. So I have collected all these books over the years, and as I mentioned, uh, a professional library uh, for about 1,000 or 10,000, sorry, 10,000 uh, items which ones I hope can serve when I start teaching or, or sharing. I share a lot of information with people always. Um, secondly, I've um, compiled throughout my life around 45 uh, photo albums. Wow. And they go from the beginning to, uh, to my recent experience in Dakar. And that takes me through all my, my professional personal events and you know, people often say you should not live in the past, but uh, then again, sometimes it's good to look back at, uh, at the things that, uh, that defined you in, um, in life. Uh, professionally, I'm working on, um, on a qualification, uh, a qualification that will qualify me 
to actually um, confirm my professionalism in my area of expertise, which is hospitality. And yeah. this will allow you to, uh, to teach um, polytechnic on, on a higher level. I always liked education throughout the years uh, as a general manager of a hotel. A hotel is a very nice place to educate. I mean, we learn a lot of things we learn on the job and we learn from the people who are uh, senior, who teach us and from our colleagues. And that was always part of my experience. Um, even classics like uh, the one minute manager, which is efficient, extremely efficient tool. Um, the six thinking hats from Edward de Bono is, yep. very, um, is very useful. Uh, when you work in this multicultural environment where not everybody thinks, thinks uh, the same. So um, yeah, that keeps me actually quite, uh, quite busy up till now. Amazing to hear. So you're a student and soon a professor. Yeah, inshallah, as we say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, mostly you were uh, in the hotel uh, industry, uh, hospitality industry, and um, you must be present 24 hours, right? Uh, or I'm wrong. Can you tell us a little bit about a day in the life of a hotel director? And what is the most important role in a hotel? What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, 24 hours, it's, 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 you have, need to have a certain passion for this, uh, this profession. Um, but there are also jobs within the hotel business that are very, what shall I say, categorized in, in a certain time frame or, or speciality. I mean, as a GM, uh, you know, it never, never ends. The, the, the day starts very early and mm -hmm. it ends very late. And a typical day is that you, you rise early and when you commute, uh, for example, in, Port in uh, Dubai, I commute via the metro, the subway. And that was a great way actually to fire off your social media, your WhatsApps, to, to take an impression of, of the emails that are coming in in your inbox. It prepares you mentally for the day. I think it's very important because if, if it's going to be a challenging day and you know more or less what's coming ahead, then uh, you will be able to deal with that. It offers you the opportunity to send out uh, quick uh, WhatsApps to your managers so they can already action on certain things that have happened in the hotel. And you just meet, need to make sure that you arrive before your department heads um, mm, yeah. come to the job. And I always used to take the, the supplier's entrance or the, the employee entrance, uh, the back of the house. I walk around. Um, so you're already aware a little bit what's happening before you hit the, the work floor. Go straight to the breakfast room. I mean, it's surprising to, to, to say to people, uh, yeah, good morning, how are you? And, and, and they tell you things. They tell you it's their birthday. It's tell you it's their wedding anniversary. They tell you why they are in your hotel and how many times they have been in your hotel. People like to share their experiences. And that gives you exactly that, that aspect of personalization later where you can just send up a bunch of flowers or a cake or invite them for coffee or give, give them a book uh, on Dubai or, you know, um, things like that. So... Then you look at uh, the financial figures uh, before you hit the morning briefing. <laughs> briefing. Normally, these briefings are around 8.30, uh, 9 o'clock. depends. There's also a tendency of doing these meetings at 5 o'clock, but then after the business day, preparing yourself for the next day. As you mentioned, the hotel is 24 hours, so a lot of things are happening in the evening. So I, I still think that the morning is a very good, uh, good timing uh, to do that. And these meetings, you have on average 10 to 12 department heads executive specialists, professionals around the table. Meetings should not take more than 15 minutes, but generally uh, people get carried away and, and so forth. So 
one of the tasks as a general manager is to be really strong with your time management. Um, a meeting without an agenda is actually a waste of, of precious time. Mm -hmm. um, then after the morning briefing, if there are no really urgent matters in your, in your email, you spend half an hour, don't go back all the time uh, because that multitasking can work well from others. But, uh, you know, if you really read a lot, you understand that multitasking is not the most effective way to get things done. So um, then I will go to the, to the lobby, stand in the lobby, feel the ambience, feel the day, uh, talk to people, make sure that their arrangements for the day are, are met, uh, say goodbye before they get into that taxi to the airport and said, have a, have a good trip. I mean, it's amazing how people feel um, appreciated when, when you as a general manager mm. are on the workflow because the, the general manager's job is not a hotel desk job. Of course, mm. you have to do your administration because nowadays it's very heavy with financial reporting, STRs, market analysis, you name it, but you know, the, the, it's still happening on the, work, on the work floor. And you know, if you don't take care of your guests, uh, somebody else will very, very soon. Um, the advantage of, of making these tours in the hotel as well, you, you can meet and greet your staff, you can say thank you. It's important for them that you show that, that appreciation. Richard Branson had a very interesting um, comment on that. Uh, he, he mentioned that, you know, uh, take care of your, your employees and your employees will take care of your customers because yeah, we have the job titles, we have the fancy offices, we have probably the best car in the, in the hotel except for the limousines for the guest pickup. But it's, it, it's your colleague on the rank and file, your associates, as you very often say, your, your, your employees who actually do the hard job by being with the guests, which is the source of your yeah. business. And I think in our business nowadays, there's so much information. Look at the job description of a GM. The first thing she will see is finance. And then the finance, and then it's revenue, and then you, you go through employee development and so forth, so forth. But it should actually be guest um, guest relations because without guests, you know, you don't have anything in your in your property. Exactly. Yeah. Then the time management court. But what I do, uh, there's a couple of tricks. Yeah, you can do many things. But instead of asking people to come to my office, I go to their offices so I can control my time. Uh, I stand up. I don't sit unless it is really for a discussion. And um, this gives you the advantage that you can take quick decisions. You can give quick advice. Um, you can come back with information if you don't have the answer. That's important. I mean, you need to always be sincere and say, well, you know, you don't know. I say, I don't know. Let me look it up. Let me get back to you. Um, and if you don't sit down, you can actually decide yourself when to step out of that office. So it saves you a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, during the day, it's very, um, very nice to, to step into these shift handovers. You know, you typically have around three or four o'clock in a hotel, a shift handover or 11 o'clock at night, you know, do an effort to meet the guys who work the pastry because you never see them at night, but they just still prepare the 800 croissants and, <laughs> uh, and, um, and so forth. Uh, they like that. You can, at the same time, you can see if any equipment is broken because they may not always tell you. And the department head may not always share. And the chief engineer in a hotel, he's always so busy that, you know, you have to have an eye for detail. You have to be yourself on the floor. I think um, I would be more in the pastry uh, area. Yes. You could find me as a hotel manager more in the pastry area. Yeah, you have a good reputation to that extent, you know. But, uh, yeah. 
I mean, I remember many of the, the functions we did for the Swiss Business Council, how we tried to adapt and personalize that, uh, that approach to the coffee breaks by giving it a little bit of a, of a, of a Swiss, Swiss or a Dutch or French touch. You know, mm -hmm. people are looking for, for or originality, creativity, in, uh, because everything is, can be so standard in our line of business. Yeah. Um, so this management by walking around is, um, is very good. And then if the days goes by, you have so many unforeseen things happening. And that makes, I think, our job so extremely attractive because you can prepare yourself, you have your, your, your plan your days, you have your agenda, you, you have your to-do list, but then calls are coming in. This guy is in the lobby, this travel agent is there. I was trying to make a point to meet um, each and every travel agent and corporate client for site inspection. Um, sales is not just the responsibility of the sales team. I mean, the GM is very well positioned to, uh, to do the sales job. And you know what? You, you can troubleshoot issues. You can take away doubts. You can take immediate decisions on, uh, to include, for example, airport transportation or not, or to, to create breakfast. Or a lot of guests may have special requests that you like a separate area in the breakfast room or, or, or they need a, a meeting room for a couple of hours. And you can say yes or no straight away because uh, the, the sales process is always very lengthy. Yeah, the salesperson comes back, he types out a sales report, he goes to his sales, the director of sales, then he needs sometimes go to the revenue manager, then the revenue manager then comes to the GM, shall we take this business or not? So it's very good what you pick up. And I made um, a habit also to meet suppliers. You, you see mm -hmm. a lot of um, people, uh, general managers, executives who don't take time, they delegate this to the purchasing department. But Kurt, you will be surprised how much you learn about new products, how your hotel is functioning, how your purchasing is functioning or not. <laughs> where where is, is money to be made, new ideas, creativity. And really commercially, you mm -hmm. can just also ask them for their business when their business partners, partners come to town. Yeah, or they gave seminars in your hotels because they want to get all the housekeepers together, all the front office managers and so forth. So that management by wandering around is, is like really um, a great um, uh, management tool. Yeah. Then the day goes on and um, early evening, then the social aspect of the job starts. And now we're getting into this, this long working days. It's easily 10 to 12 hours, but... Wow. You know, the time goes so fast. And if it's something that, that you do, it doesn't really matter. It's like you go to an art exposition. I mean, you don't rush. You, 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 you rush a little bit in the beginning and you stand still by those um, pieces or arts that you want to know better. And we should do this with our hotel guests. So I meet VIPs. Very often there is, uh, you know, the organizer, of course, is there to personalize these kind of engagements because they pay you a lot of money and they, they want to see and. It will be surprising me. It doesn't matter how well your banketing or F&B staff prepares things. There's always something that can be done differently or a second organizer who has a different opinion or the chief executive says, hey, I don't like this setup. Can we make a quick change? And yeah, then, you know, yes, I can. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's what Last it is meeting. all about. Um, Right. Yeah. And then the evening when the day is sometimes dinners, dinners with the with the guests and with your salespeople and the guests. So, yeah, 24 hours it is if you live in the hotel and that happens a lot. Um, then you can really feel the vibe of, of the place nowadays, particularly in big cities like like Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, Dubai, Paris. I mean, the GM does not stay in the hotel because it's it's better to rent out a room and it's uh, making more money than having him. In a resort and remote location, obviously, mm -hmm. 
it's better to to stay in the hotel. And then, yeah, the advantage of uh, an executive there is you can pop up and nobody really knows uh, when and where. And I think that's very good because the the guests, they don't want surprises. Mm -hmm. So neither do the employees. So when you walk around and and you are there and they know that you can be there any moment, um, you know, they they stay Mm -hmm. on their toes. They they stay alert. Yeah. Can you tell me... um, I mean, you are since so many years now in this uh, business hospitality. Um, is there a, a big change between, let's say, 20, 30 years ago to nowadays to, to manage uh, a hotel? Yeah, tremendous. Really? I mean, it's, a, it's a pity because, I mean, it is, oh, I mean the Swiss, you know, the, the Berceau of hospitality, César Ritz, Lescoffier, uh, you know, I think that that, and maybe I'm a little bit still. The general manager respects that the old hotel man. I mean, you know, the hospitality, welcoming people, um, taking care of their little needs. I think a lot of concepts are being driven by purely financial performance. Um, sometimes they just focus on on STR, what you're doing, inverse the competition with Smith Travel Review, eh, STR, where you actually compare your hotels with with the other hotels in a specific uh, mm-hmm. area or category. But, you know, sometimes these hotels are not necessarily your competition because it's maybe it could be an owner who imposes, or it could be your uh, your asset manager, etc. And then you're comparing your, your hotels with properties that are not necessarily um, comparable. And we tend to forget Again, what it's really about is the guest on the floor. And I think for me, my employees are guests as well. So I always tend to get along well with, with the rank and file because once they see that the gem is concerned, the guest will feel that immediately. Mm-hmm. You give an employee a hard time on the floor or in your office, the worst mistake you can do is make it, do it publicly. What will he do when he has to serve you the next coffee? Mm-hmm. Will he do that? you know, in, 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 in yeah. a warming and, and smiling way. And then the guests will say, what's up? And then when employees can easily start a hotel, start, start uh, talking to the guests and say, you know, what happened? And then you're getting into an area where the guests should really not be too comfortable and too familiar what happens in the hotel. Yeah. This is a mistake that is often being made when guests are very regular hotel, uh, hotel guests, you know. So, I mean, technology has made a big, big impact, although yeah. hotel is, hotels are very... Uh, traditional in their approach. I think with um, after the COVID and during COVID, you will see a huge improvement in artificial intelligence and, and um, you know, IT and keyless mm-hmm. cards. And, and maybe should we have, um, should we have a mini bar or should we just have like what Amazon recently uh, introduced uh, a shop in a hotel lobby, you go in with your room, number, your credit card and your room number, and you take what you want. Mm-hmm. style minibar you go up to the room you don't even have to have a cashier and so forth so wow. there will be a yeah. reduced um, um, reduced guest interaction so yeah. I worked for Mervenpick uh, for a couple of years it's a great company it used to be Swiss it's French now and um, at that time the, the executive committee and the chief executive invited uh, a group of millennials in their GM meetings and as a work group and that was amazing because you think that you need to do things in a proven um, way. Um, yeah. Some people take more calculated risks than others. Mm-hmm. But you know, these, the feedback from these millennials, they just have a completely different approach on things. And you can see some concepts. And Dubai was very much at the forefront where 
um, hotel, hotel comps are being created that don't have so much interaction with, um, with traditional service levels. Um, there's a lot of emphasis on communication. Mm -hmm. They have um, storage in the lobby uh, like a hotel train station because the guys have a backpack or a suitcase and they don't want to go to the, to the bellboy and then they can't find a suitcase and then they need to give him a tip and so forth or they are in a hurry and you know um, so yeah. there's a lot of change yeah look at the hotel brands how they are diversifying it's unbelievable how how the traditional hotel brands are now launching themselves into the, this this wide range of portfolios of hotels and you know, I was part of, of Accor um, in Southeast Asia, mm -hmm. a very nice professional hotel group, very good uh, for your French, because at that time a lot of French was spoken. But recently, the, um, Accor has been in such a um, movement of uh, expanding their portfolio that they launched a very valuable program. And it's, it's about uh, being a artist. And an artist yeah. is somebody who really, you know, the heart, who takes care. Because, of course, all these brands like, uh, like the, the the Bayon trees and the, the Fairmonts and the Novotels and the Sofitels and the, and the Swiss, Swiss hotels and the Mervipig, they all have a different DNA. So how to bring them together that, that there's still a, con, a message out there to the consumer that we care for you. So that was a very interesting program. That was a, a workshop that we did for all the general managers and, and, and front office managers in, in Dubai um, about one year now, two years ago. And, and I think that's the way forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yes, hotel business has changed quite a lot. Yeah, interesting. Um, can you tell me um, what is the most important role in the hotel? <laughs> no, um, hotels are hierarchically very structured. Um, you have a lot mm -hmm. of specialized uh, jobs. Yeah. Um, and you cannot necessarily put someone in the kitchen to prepare the, the, the meals if he's not able to, you know, um, housekeeping, very, very important uh, mm -hmm. position in the hotel. These, these ladies and men, they break their backs to get the, the room perfectly clean. And yeah. more and more with the, you know, the after COVID, with, with all the disinfection yeah. going on, all the requirements, uh, suppliers are also really professional i remember that diversities for example ecolab had really targeted programs to assist hotels that don't necessarily have a corporate structure to rely on um, yeah. i was fortunate to work for a couple of years with uh, with redison a year with redison dakar and they were in the, in the initial stages of the of the covid uh, extremely uh, proactive with um, signage templates etc yeah. to take away a little bit that pressure from a general general manager and a team so how, how to deal actually with this because we didn't mm. know so for me you know every job in the hotel is important i make mm. um, it's always a message i go into the stewarding i get wet uh, it doesn't matter uh, I, I talk to the guys um Sometimes you, get, you you help a little bit. There are people say, "Oh, you shouldn't." Uh, GM is do, is doing this or that. But you know, when a restaurant, as we call it, is in the shit, um, you don't walk by and say to <laughs> the B manager in one hour, "Listen, you have a problem at seven thirty because there are no more napkins on the uh, on the yeah. buffet." You know, and the breakfast buffets are are very challenging because people come, they 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 eat quick, fast, and you need to constantly replenish these kind of things. So for me, it's from the from the gardener. I had great connections with the, the gardeners in, in Sharm el Sheikh when I used to work there. And being Dutch, I love flowers. So yeah. I said to the guys, come on, the Janina, which is then the garden, and Bunga, whatever. You know, Bunga is an Indonesian. Yeah. 
So you, you give respect to everybody in every part of that um, hierarchy. And, and if you do that, you will be surprised what people do back uh, for you. Yeah. So for me, uh, to just summarize it, uh, it's not even the general manager. Mm -hmm. I would say it's, it's the, you know, the rank and file is the guy who received the goods, who goes into storerooms, it's the, it's the night shift. Yeah, when everybody is uh, is away and he or she has to clean up the mess, so it's um, yeah total interaction of all employees for me. Thank you. Yeah, the whole team. Yeah, during your uh, during your time as a hotel director in Bali and the second boom, can you tell us how you experienced the situation there in the tourism industry at that time? Did it affect the tourism industry like COVID today or different? Uh, no different because different because COVID is dragging on and we don't really and it will change the, the travel patterns of, of the world. Um, Bali, of course. Have you been to Bali? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know wonderful. Bali. And, I mean, it's a wonderful island. People are wonderful. I mean, there's yeah. so much respect for for nature. You know, for the for the elements, uh, water, fire, and and, right. um, and then when you. When, when this happens, you, you don't really feel aggressivity in the, mm. uh, on the streets. I mean, the Balinese are very gentle. They, they, they yeah. help you. They excellent hospitality. They, they you know, great, great services. So Always with a smile. After they, yeah. Or after they, um, they suffered from the first body bomb, which was terrible, where a lot of people uh, perished. Then mm. The second body bomb um, was in, in Kuta mm. and uh, in a coffee shop. And, and you realize, okay, what can you do in order to protect your hotel? Because hotels are very public places. Everybody can actually walk in. I mean, you can have, you look, we had incidents at that time in the Jakarta. I think it was the Marriott or the Ritz. I mean, people were just driving in. Uh, it was a florist. It was one of your employees who, uh, who at that time brought in uh, materials. So, um, yeah, it was very sad. The telephones go down straight away, panic in the street. And mm. unfortunately, our driver knew the, the inner roads. So you, you, at that time, you know, the idea was to, to go away and back from, the, from the, the problem areas because you don't know if it was a reaction, if would it be only one. And then what really impresses you that uh, two or three days ago uh, later, they discover four unexploded uh, bombs on the Jimbaran beach. And that Whoa. is a place where you would be in the evening with four or 500 uh, people, tourists, locals, mm. eat sea fish at, at the sea. It's a very nice spot, a very beautiful beach in, in the Bali area. Now, can you imagine if that, yeah, what could have happened there? So it was very sad. And then Bali is very robust, it bounces back. So international conference were gone for a day. Mm. Um, there were a lot of social actions be, being taken. And, and business was back until actually Bali became so popular that the island was like, wow, where are we going to put, um, where are we going to put our tourists until the COVID actually uh, appeared? Yeah. Yeah, I, I experienced also Bali, a really wonderful country. <laughs> and I remember also the traffic. Traffic was very, very, very slow. So if you, if you think yeah. you want to be at... From A to B, it, it takes maybe four times more than you think because it's really a bit slow. But I, yeah, I remember also some... Motorbikes, yeah, yeah. Huh? Sorry? But that they use so many motorbikes. There are thousands of yeah. motorbikes coming <laughs> in full, from uh, full, Surabaya, yeah. <laughs> Jakarta for Bali, indeed. Yeah. From Bali to Sharm el-Sheikh, I remember also Sharm el-Sheikh with the desert of the Sinai. 
the Mount yeah. Moses and the monastery Saint Catherine. I guess you have been there. And yes. I I went actually Very for impressive. snorkeling Nueva and in Sharmersheikh. And you, especially you had some experience in Sharmersheikh. Uh, also uh, special happening there during the Egyptian revolution. What happened yeah. during the first days or weeks and how did it affect the hotel industry on the Sinai? You know, I mean, okay, not being Egyptian, but being an international manager, of course, mm -hmm. I have maybe a different different take or different approach. And I, I may say things that, that people feel offended with or not, because it was a very difficult period. I worked in Hogada, Safaga uh, before that. And when I arrived in Sharm el-Sheikh, um, Kurt, it was business, it was booming. Your hotels were running at, you know, 98% occupancy. Wow. Uh, it was like, uh, it was like uh, huge. And mm -hmm. it first started in September with the shark attacks. Um, mm -hmm. An incident happened with the shark and then people said, no, I'm going into the water and, and, and people did. So you say in Egyptian, uh, um, yeah, you know, go ahead. I mean, you can't stop people because we had uh, hundreds yeah. of people in swimming pools and you can, uh, can imagine the, <laughs> the noise and the mess and so forth. And then they had to close um, the beach for about three months. Um, so that was actually the first time that, that, that it was affected, but people were still coming and, and the Sharm el-Sheikh area is a very beautiful natural area with a lot of uh, snorkeling and diving. It's amazing uh, industry. You mentioned um, the culture. A lot of people don't really know that, but that monastery of uh, St. Catherine, uh, very close to Sharm el-Sheikh, is one yeah. of the, the oldest strongholds of, um, of an Orthodox Christian, if I don't, don't make a mistake, in the middle of a very yeah. um, Muslim environment. And, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, to survive that, because it was protected throughout history by... Um, you know, by by the people, it is, is amazing. Now, then, when the build-up came to Tahrir Square, that was a, a process for for several weeks, actually. Right. Yeah. And business was usual as usual in Sham. The hotels were booming. Storerooms were full of of you know all-inclusive resorts, so everybody was re really eating and drinking the way it was uh, was to be. And then it was only after the immediately after the one million march in March in uh, Tahrir Square that business reduced drastically and there were maybe one or two days in between and then the riots broke out prisons were opened um, mm -hmm. things were happening on the street tanks on the street uh, chaos um, foreigners had to go out to the country they had to leave the country within three days i mean you don't know where all these expats are coming from it was amazing how they how they all gathered in the airports and then had to go mm -hmm. airports were 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 crowded, uh, doors were scattered, the plastic, the, the doors, yeah, because of the pressure of the people pushing. It was a very, uh, yeah, unpleasant experience. And there was a curfew, so you couldn't be on the street at three, uh, after three o'clock. And now, yeah. so then business really went down, uh, down the drain. And, and I think there, the, maybe the, the most moment that made the most impression was at, at one point of time, uh, I had 30 to 40 um, people in front of my office banging the door and they're banging the walls and they say come out come out and you have to go uh, have a choice as a gym you know and you're the captain mm -hmm. of a ship you cannot just just leave you have to jump out of the window. you have to be uh, be there so I, I faced them and then what reminds me was that that empty look in, in their eyes you see when when there's no light and it's just a blank stare because they're following being pushed by by others and that was was pretty scary and fortunately I had some very good uh, egyptian colleagues who uh, who uh, calmed them down and 
I gave them immediately a bunch of keys of the hotel. I said, listen, this is the bunch of keys of the hotel. I invited uh, two or three of the, the ringleaders to meet me personally. So that took away the, the group effect out of it. And then people were, were happy uh, yeah. for the time being. And unfortunately, my, uh, my very loyal staff at that time um, managed to cool them down. And, you know, people were very confused, becoming very outspoken, some being very uh, aggressive. Um, and of course, incident with the guest because people didn't really know where it was going and it was dragging on, dragging on. And uh, okay, yeah, we know uh, what happened. But I never felt really um, not safe. I always had that idea that I was protected by, by them, by my colleagues, by my, my Egyptian friends and so forth. So I think that makes a big, um, a big difference. I was probably more scared to swim in the water during the shark attacks than, uh, <laughs> than having to face that. Because in the end, and to finalize this thing, it is all about communication and discussion. And there was a certain management style, maybe at that part of the, of the world, where things were very autocratic in, in running hotels. You can't do that. And that's why the advantage of, a, of an experienced European comes in, because we... You know, we, we discuss, I mean, in the Netherlands, you can't get anything done without it. Everybody gives their or his opinion. And, um, you know, they call it the polder model. And, and, and this is very good because that puts people at ease and then yeah. you can structure it a little bit. So it's all about uh, communication and, and a lot of communication. You know, a memo doesn't do the trick anymore. That's another thing that changed from the old business. No more memos. It's really very um, uh, social media. It's being on the floor talking to the people direct. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, how you manage this situation then uh, at, that mo at that moment when you discussed uh, the situation with, uh, I don't know, three oh, or you four listen, persons? You listen. And there was a lot of frustration, a lot of uh, aggressivity in these comments. Uh, actually, uh, I, I take notes all most of the time. I still kept these notes. Sometimes I look at them and say, well, yeah, it was really, it was really happening. And uh, the funny thing is, because they, when you let people, it's the same with the guest comments, yeah, when somebody is very upset, you don't go into him straight and say it's not our fault or we can't do anything. Let the person talk, let him express his or her frustration. And once they are away, you can see, okay, I can do that uh, immediately, because not all the demands were really about um, immediately tripling the salaries. I mean, you can't do that. Sometimes it was very... Um, simple things like they, they, they complained that the staff accommodation was really in a very bad. So this is one of the, of the, what shall I say, actions, priorities that I do. When I go to a new hotel, I always visit the, the, the you know, the cafeterias, the, the staff accommodations, etc. particularly when the people live on site and mm -hmm. they don't live in their own environment, like many in Dubai live in, in their own environment. Um, and, and improve the situation because, you know, they often neglect it. There's, there's not enough money spent on these things. And yeah. people live there day and night, and then you put them in a nice uniform, you expect them to be, you know. And for me, Egyptians are excellent, excellent professionals. They mm. work extremely hard. Yeah. Um, I managed to have very, very good friends and um, still now. So after some time, you know, you, you target or you, you discuss with them, things can be done. And then it was, um, the pressure was not anymore in Hogada and Sharm el Sheikh. Um, it, it all happened in Tahrir Square. And, and you know what happened. You know, you mm -hmm. followed the news. So the hotel suffered dramatically because the business dry, dried up. And you can imagine if you have a huge 
coach of uh, Thomas Cook at the time or whoever drives into your property and you have 300 people on strike. I mean, they turn around first roundabout, they never come back. So I explained the story in my, my broken Arabic, I know two or three words uh, about mm -hmm. the, the yeah. goose, the goose with the golden egg, because tourism was the goose with the yeah. golden egg. You know, it's, right. it's always yeah. a business that's, that's hit, uh, hit first when there's something happening, you know? Yeah. So, uh, Maurice, you, you moved so many times from one place to another during your life uh, for work, actually. Can you tell us what is more important when you do a move? The last days of saying goodbye to your old place, and your team, yep. your guests, or is it to welcome uh, a new team and guests in your new place? Um, I think it's a mixture of both, you know, make, make, leaving a making a good first impression and uh, making a lasting impression. I mean, upon the departure, it's, it's for many people a feeling of mixed emotions, you know. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, you celebrate your accomplishments, you know you, what you have done. It's not always seen or appreciated by, by, by owners or management companies, but that, that's another podcast uh, discussion. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, the gratitude that you receive from the people, uh, mm -hmm. sincerely, um, the way they say goodbye to you and, and very often your family. I always tend to bring my, my wife and my son because they are a real part of the, of the, the social structure in your style. They, they need to see that you're also a family man. You know, it's not only pure, pure business. So um, I think that is, that is what it is. Saying goodbye to business friends. You know, yeah. you've been there. It's very, very difficult, hard. But then again, you know, these friendships, they last forever. And if you maintain them well and you retain them, um, then, then you have a great, great international network. Yeah. Now, if you go back to the, to the first day in a new place, I mean, yeah, it's exciting. There's expectations. You don't know what to expect. People have briefed you and told you many things. Is that the truth? Who can you trust? Um, mm -hmm. What about resistance to change? Because you're going to take decisions to change. How do people react? Um, your ability to quick scan a hotel and operation. Where are the real priorities? I mean, uh, you know, where would I really need to look at? Um, and so forth. Um, how to create that, that team spirit initially when people don't trust you yet because you're yeah. the foreigner, the new one. Eh? And mm -hmm. how to build proper communication networks, so forth. So uh, I think the, the first day and welcome of the place are always very, very exciting. Yeah, and I, I, I think it will take uh, some time until both are familiarized to each other. Yeah, yeah, of course. And sometimes it never happens. I mean, if, if you notice, <laughs> really? that there is, I would say, a department head uh, that is really not on board and he wants to do it his way or her way and so forth. I mean, then you have a choice. I mean, you as a GM, you don't always have to be right. It doesn't always have to be your way. I think the, the, the leadership skills are to, to run a situational management style, you know, just address the matters, the way the situation is being presented. Sometimes you have to be autocratic. There are countries in the world where they expect you as a general manager to take that decision. And there are other, other um, cultures which are very uh, participative. I mean, you have, um, you have countries where they work with different costs and then your, your stewarding manager could be a higher cost as your uh, number yeah, two yeah. in the hotel. And if you, if, you're if you are ignorant to these kind of cultural mm -hmm. things, then, then you can make uh, crucial mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the end, is, is, does this person deliver? And mm -hmm. then if he or she does not necessarily deliver and the guest feedback is good, I think 
a manager nowadays needs to accept that things are being done differently by different people. But the main line, the, the, the main drive needs to be in the same direction. Yeah? It cannot be the opposite direction. And if you then try to get there in different ways, that doesn't really matter. You know, you have the same objectives, which is the satisfaction of the guests and the owner's return and the, the reputation of the hotel in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I agree. Yeah. I remember our days in Dubai. You are a fantastic networker. You connected me with so many people from different industries. And yeah, can you tell us what is the most important when you connect people? I think it's a little bit with, uh, with knowledge. Um, you need to share. You know, there was this old saying that, oh, uh, you know, don't share too much with people because they may take my job. Yeah, you want my job? I can get it so I can move on or I can move higher, higher up. So I always felt that that sharing of contacts and, and so forth. You need, it is, for me, it's crucial that you immediately establish a level of, of trust and that you are uh, serious about certain things. And then you can still use humor to break the ice um you know that doesn't matter that that's good but people need to feel that you are uh, sincere you, you need to show empathy that you care maybe you listen more than you you talk uh, you notice that people love to talk and then yeah people move on because you've been talking and nobody has been listening to you so that that balance between listening and talking is very important mm. another thing when you establish that confidence and trust initially you know the first impression for me, it's ex extremely crucial, and I always try to do that, that you follow up on the things that you promise. Because very only in the first introduction, what you do, you have people who love name dropping. Oh, I know this guy, I can break him in, in touch with you, etc. And then, you know, nothing happens. And when you call him uh, two, three days or a week later, you select, oh, I, I can't remember. So it's, it's crucial that you, you do that follow up. And, you know, creating a network with people brings back a tremendous amount of other yeah. people. I mean, it's like a sales call. You go for the sales call, the gentleman may not or may not necessarily have business for you, but you can say, is there somebody else I can talk to in your organization? Or do you know anybody else who is actually mm. working in this, this area to give me business? And you will be surprised when you ask what people give you. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, good. Um, and uh, another question, I can imagine that you have met many celebrities during your time in the hospitality industry. <laughs> Do you remember one of uh, or two of such moments with a VIP coming through the doors? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's exactly what celebrities want you to do, not talk about them. So, yeah, we do. I mean, uh, <laughs> but we talk I mean, about... <laughs> Yeah, we do. I'll give you a small example. But I think there's a mutual respect of, of many hoteliers that they really don't disclose certain things. And it's probably nowadays on the with the social media that the, the celebrities disclose much more about themselves during mm. the travel and trips than, than, than we used to do. Um, you know, I think maybe an update of the of this famous book of hotel by Alex Sahedi is is appropriate because uh, there are there are indeed a lot of things happening. And I remember um, I was working in the Hilton in Strasbourg. And Strasbourg, apart from being a lovely city, um, had this great hotel, the Hilton in Strasbourg. And it was just in front of the conference center. So many international celebrities would come. There you have the European Parliament that meets for four days every month, where all you have your diplomats and, and, and presidents and the Pope visited and Lech Walesa at the time. And, and, and you name it, it's like uh, 
it's like very interesting. And mm-hmm. one more morning, we have uh, the actor uh, Malcolm uh, McDowell facing mm-hmm. the desk. He was checking out. And he had a personal question to ask. And he looked at me with his eyes. Now, I don't know if you've seen that movie with, with Stanley Kubrick, uh, The Clockwork Orange. But yeah. at that time, when, uh, when Alex, that was his role, would look at you, you would really pay. But it was very scary, uh, this thriller. And, <laughs> and I said, whoa, what, what happened? And, and he apparently lost uh, a small gold chain in his room. And it really felt very, um, oh. yeah, I said, oh, can you get his back special memories? He said, yeah, but give me your card. So he gave me his address. I really looked at this business card, like a Santa Monica Boulevard. Um, <laughs> Oh, Beverly Hills, West Hollywood. Can you imagine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dutch guy behind the front desk in Strasbourg, Hollywood. Uh, so <laughs> I rushed to the room and tried to find, couldn't find anything, unfortunately. So this was my first experience with Hollywood. And uh, I never drove along these palm trees on the, on the Sunset Boulevard, on Santa Monica Boulevard, <laughs> into the sunset, you know. I, I missed that opportunity. But there are many, 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 many more. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> so... Um, if we were to start, uh, if you were to start again, and you think about the change in your life, would you do the same move again? Yeah, I would absolutely end up in the in hotel business again. That's for sure. Yeah. I would not necessarily make the the same um, career choices, but the, mm. the job of a hotel general manager is tremendously rewarding, yeah. satisfying, challenging, sometimes frustration. So you really get to develop your your personality as well throughout the throughout the process. We talked about, yeah, it's hard work, 10 to 12 hours, but it allows you to travel. You mm-hmm. see other parts of the world. Um, right. It allows you to speak and use your languages. Um, you create a tremendous international network of, uh, of contacts. Um, you have stories to tell, yeah, mm-hmm. over dinner. So, yeah, you know, being out of my comfort zone intrigues me. I like that. I could really never work in a very, very static uh, hotel where everything is decided. I mean, you're always looking for that, that level where you can either think out of the box and, mm. and, and be, in, be outside of your, your comfort zone, yeah. for example. Actually, you need always to be uh, some kind of entertainer, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, if you go to, like, there is a reception, a wedding, whatever conference you need to greet you need to smile i mean the show goes on and and that's interesting that that means that also in terms of your character you need to be able to switch uh, yeah. you're actually all the time on stage and then for example i mean yeah sometimes you want to show your emotions so but you i've cried with guests if something happened you cry that's nothing wrong with it. i most of the time i laugh with uh, with guests and um, there's a lot of spontaneity i mean i remember mm. we had a couple of bloggers from the uk coming over and I mean, what do we know? I mean, how many followers do you have? A couple of thousand, but these guys, you know, they have hundred thousand. It's amazing. And they just caught me in the lobby, put the camera in my face and say something. And, mm-hmm. and this is the things where you, where you really come, your spontaneity or your, maybe your, your positiveness or, or, mm-hmm. or, or, or the way you are comes, um, comes out because you can't fake it. You know, there's very yeah. little nowadays in our job you can't fake. They, they go straight and... Uh, they don't want to know they go over your head, you go straight to the top guy. So you need to make sure that you really um, cement that relationship with your guest in, in the right, uh, in the right uh, proportion. Yeah. yeah, about uh, moving around. I moved around a lot. You know, I, I learned as well that you're not always in charge of your professional um, 
destination. You have people say, yeah, you're in charge of your destiny. No, it's, it's not, not like, not with me for any case. So I learned not to look back too often, just to, to, to move on. I have a very good business friend at the time. I was running an extremely successful op uh, opening of a hotel in, uh, in the UAE, in Ras al-Khaimah. And I was really one of the, the top hotels again in that, that area. Mm -hmm. And this, this business friend of the corporate office said, Maurice, you know, it's just a hotel. And what he meant with that, that we should not let carried, get carried away with your ego or, or, or success or, or luxury or, or the benefits that are around you. Because, you know, the moment you're transferred or you use your job or you get promoted, you know, it stops and you need to move on. And I, I find that a very, uh, very meaningful um, message, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what was the worst situation you had to handle ever in your life? Huh. Yeah, I, I think this is a yeah, this is a very personal experience because my father passed away very young mm -hmm. when I was eighteen, so I was never been able to show him um, oh, wow. what what I achieved. And he was uh, working for Philips in Eindhoven at the time, and he traveled around the world. He uh, well, he was in Brazil, Turkey, uh, Singapore, you name it. Mm. Um, and, and I think maybe I have a little bit of that, uh, that travel gene or DNA uh, from him. But I think, yeah, in hotel business, worst experience. I mean, that is why we are there to be hired. We face it. I mean, what yeah. can you do? I mean, we had so many um, incidents uh, that, that happened. Um, it's always very sad when there is uh, an injury or loss of life. Mm -hmm. And uh, these things happen as well. I mean, people live and, and, and they die in, in, in the hotel business. And that's sometimes maybe the worst experience uh, mm. that you have to go through, yeah. I guess. Let, uh, let us go to a little bit a more positive situation. Tell us about the situation where you felt really happy that you said, yes, actually, yes means yes for a change. Yeah. That, that was a moment I remember that well when I had to say, yes, I do. Okay. And I was saying, when I, when yes, I, I do. Made that <laughs> that <laughs> marriage uh, proposal to my wife. And, uh, and we have actually traveled for 26 years around, uh, around the world. And Anna uh, is Portuguese, I'm Dutch. So we okay, always try yeah. to, to go after our experiences um, um, of our ancestors. And you know mm -hmm. how, how the history tells us the Portuguese went there first, then the Dutch went after them and the British took it from us. So <laughs> we, traveled, we traveled around <laughs> the world. We visited places like Malacca, Jakarta, Goa, Cochin, um, you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Cap Verde, yeah. um, allegedly Australia, where the Portuguese were supposed to be before the Dutch, Dutch came. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I traveled a little bit behind after our roots. But my, my happiest moment, I guess, one of the happiest moments was what's, when my son recently graduated from the hotel school, the Swiss Hotel Management School in Montreux. In Montreux, wow. Yeah, a bachelor. And then you see, you know, so far as so son, as they can say, but you see that, wow, why would you be passionate about your hotel, the, the job for your father? Because you're never there. You always work late to the weekends. Mm -hmm. You know, the Christmas, the New Year's, you know it. But still, that, that made a certain... Uh, at, uh, impact and uh, he loved it. He's now doing a bachelor for golf management. So with a combination bachelor of golf, sorry, golf management. Okay, yeah, wow, management of golf. 
So I think with a combination for hotel and golf, I mean, I have my retirement uh, uh, arranged. So you <laughs> will go for golfing, you stay in a hotel, yeah. There you go, that's it. Fantastic, wow. Uh, so <laughs> I, almost my last question, uh, as I'm a property investor, I'm really curious about your dream home, and location yeah. and the environment. What is yeah. it? Well, um, we mentioned that, that we traveled around the world and here these 13, um, 13 countries, 27 jobs. I think we moved uh, 40 containers back and forth. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, to be honest, it was my wife who did most of it. <laughs> Mostly, uh, I was already on a plane. Uh, so a lot of credit goes to, to her as an international moving expert. Um, we, we don't really have our, our dream house. For us, it is um, feeling comfortable uh, in a place where we are together, maybe a little bit of memories that you of your travels around you. But you, you learned, or we learned also not to, to, to give too much emphasis on materialistic things. Because if you live in an environment like hotel environment, where, where you have a mate and you have maybe a driver and you have room service, you have housekeeping and you have the best apartment. For one reason or another, GM department apartment is always the best in the hotel. I don't know why that is, but uh, we have a great apartment, you know, and, and it's not yours. It never will be yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, you need to create your own comfort zone. But what I definitely would like to have is a room where I can put my books to create a personal and, and professional wow. library. I mean, that's that for sure. And a mini bar, I guess. A mini bar, books. <laughs> and I can see in the background also art. You're an art collector. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, we do. Actually, we I mean, a lot of positive to say, things to say about uh, Senegal, about Dakar. People are extremely artistic. Uh, and we met in a hotel. And a hotel has also a little bit of a social function. You can make it as a hotel GM, right? So we organized exhibitions in the hotel, helping uh, artists who don't necessarily have the money to, mm -hmm. to expose or to go into a gallery. And um, in Dakar, uh, I made the hotel available for um, during one month for artists to expose. I didn't take any commission. I said, I don't want it. You just put it there and just give me the positive vibe of what's happening. And then we were invited to, to their workplace. They have this artist village um, somewhere in, in the outskirts of Dakar. And it's just amazing of uh, what you see, the creativity there. Mm -hmm. we, we bought, I think, about four or five uh, pieces of uh, yeah. Yeah, of local arts, but yeah, yeah. yeah for art, I mean, look at Bali, remember? I mean, it's sold yeah, yeah. on the street. It's, it's mm -hmm. amazing. Um, so, yeah, we, we, love, we love that. Brings your house to life. And it's very exactly. personalized if it's yeah. a one of a kind. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, when I had to decide where to go after my teaching uh, and uh, being a musician in Switzerland, I had two uh, locations. One was either I go to Dakar, Senegal, or I go to Dubai. And finally, I went to Dubai. You know? So, it's a, a good I mean, combination. We, we all you appreciate Dubai. Yes. We met in Dubai. And your last, yeah. desti last destination there. We uh, all appreciate Dubai. It's amazing what, uh, what this place has become and where it will mm. go. I mean, now with the expo and, and, and the plans for the 21st century, it's like wow nature chapeau and yeah dakar is is completely different but you would have liked it. the sincerity of the people um mm -hmm. you know okay the, the restaurants are not necessarily high quality to that extent but the the local food in, in dakar is amazing they have this local fish Tasty. that they eat it's yeah. a national dish i mean you know it's, it's a man and the people but again it's about trust when they start trusting you again and they take 
give you to these 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 places. I mean, there's a lot of things for us experts to do, international experts. We in a hotel, we need to be very, very social. We need to help the local communities. They don't necessarily have the means to do that. You have a little bit more means. You have contacts. You develop mm -hmm. contacts. You yeah. have uh, material, equip equipment. So there, there's a social responsibility there for us as well to help the local communities. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, Maurice, where and how can listeners uh, connect with you? Uh, the best way is probably to uh, to come and connect on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is so uh, easy to do. The name is Maurice de Roy. You can't miss it. There are not so many uh, Maurice's mm -hmm. in depth. Yeah. Not so many de Roy. So then, um, then you link on LinkedIn and uh, um, and we take it from there. It's, um, it, it's a great yeah. way to, to be in contact and to stay in touch with people. Yeah? Great. Uh, thank you, Maurice. It, it was really uh, interesting for me. I, 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 I could hear so many new stories from you and uh, how you talked about the, your experience in the hotel industry. So many thanks. And I hope I can see you soon again. Inshallah. Always good. Always good to see you. Good, good luck. Thank with you, Maurice. Podcast. All the best. Have a great Goodbye. day. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Goodbye. Again, many thanks for this interesting talk with you and for your time. Thanks a lot.